hello everybody and welcome back to DevOps for Everyone. I'm Joe Bignall, the Kubernetes recruiter and host of DevOps for Everyone. And today I'm joined by Neil Creswell. Before we get to the conversation, I want to mention our sponsor, InterQuest Group. Now, IQ is a professional staffing firm covering tech, product and sales vacancies in the UK, Europe and US. IQ's success over the past decade has been built on successfully delivering contingent recruitment solutions to clients from various sectors, such as fintech, SaaS startups, and the public sector. However, we recently faced something in the staffing industry that no one saw coming. So while delivering on ad hoc contingent vacancies is still a very important part of IQ's business, they've now created a new unit to service those clients looking to create the talent rather than simply headhunt. This new hire trained deploy model essentially provides the most in-demand talent for a third of the price while at the same time upskilling and professionally training these people on your exact tech stack, ready to be deployed within a few short weeks. For more information on this or to speak with a specialist consultant at InterQuest who cover tech, product or sales, reach out to me for an introduction. Now onwards with the pod. Neil, thank you so much for joining me right at the end of a week. How are you doing? I'm going awesome, Joe, and thanks for uh, having me here. Perfect. Yeah, no problem at all. Really looking forward to it. And like we were just saying before we started, it's a completely different time zone for you and I. 8am for me and about 7pm for you, right? Indeed. Dark outside, dark and cold and and miserable, but it's Friday, so who can complain? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But to be fair, I mean, you could have been in any time zone at the moment. You were just telling me how you're jet setting all over the place, right? Yeah, we we got we got uh, customers and staff all over the world. So uh, I I'm spending my time talking to as many customers, prospects, and staff as I possibly can, and attending events everywhere. So it's a great life. Brilliant. Yeah. No, I don't I, I don't doubt it. So I know that you was at KubeCon in Valencia. Are you going to be attending North America this year as well? We're going to be attending it, uh, but we're not sponsoring this time. We we've decided to sponsor some different events: uh, Gartner, Onug, and a few others. Uh, and for the primary reason in, is that yeah, Portainer is actually a tool that's more designed for IT ops professionals as opposed to DevOps professionals. And so we we thought the the DevOps uh, specific audience at at KubeCon wasn't really aligning or, or, or gelling with our, our our core message. So we that, that's why we're like we're kind of pivoting towards more of an IT ops audience. Okay, that's interesting. We'll get into a bit, bit of that during the conversation. Uh-huh. So I guess a good starting place then, Neil, just to set the scene. Do you want to just tell us, I guess, who you are, <laughs> who Portainer is and what kind of problems you are solving for your clients? Sure. So I'm Neil, the co-founder of Portainer. Um, this is, I think, my sixth year building and scaling Portainer. Uh, four years of that, it was a side hustle and not really taken seriously. Um for the last couple of years, though, we've been really trying to, to turn it into a, a commercially viable business and, and scale through the help of, of uh, venture funding. Uh, is a tool that's trying to ease the operational burden in, uh, for organizations adopting container technology. Um, we believe that the day two operational load is simply too high for the vast majority of organizations to embrace easily. Uh, these are organizations who are, you'd say are more traditional, either either mid-life or, or kind of laggard type uh, organizations who can't afford to invest heavily in you know, the very latest in, in uh, DevOps personnel uh, or, or are struggling to recruit in that market. So 
yeah, Portainer is like you know, DevOps and software. So an, an IT engineer can use Portainer and manage underlying platforms with ease. Okay, that's interesting. So you're actually trying to solve a few different problems there by the sounds of it. Obviously, those that can't afford to hire the expensive DevOps professionals simply can't find the talent. Maybe you're creating that that bridge between, I guess, finding a DevOps engineer or a team of DevOps engineers and solving the problem that they need to solve by plugging in Portainer. Yeah, and, and the, the, there's two reasons for that. Um, the first reason is there is absolutely a talent war going on. Uh, and uh, as a recruiter in that space, you'll understand how hard it is as well. Yeah. Um, there, there's an absolute talent war, and the the very large organizations with very deep pockets are simply hoovering up uh, as much of this talent as they can, and really money is no object to hiring these people. So if you can't afford to compete with that, uh, then you're going to struggle to to uh, attract people to your organization if you do manage to to get someone you're going to struggle to retain them and so you can't you can't have your organization uh, held to ransom because you can't find the people to to deploy and manage the tech so that's that's one element the second element is not every company out there is a software company and technologies like kubernetes really are geared towards a DevOpsy type organization where they have an internal dev team who who build, deploy, and manage their application on a on a cloud native platform. Well, that's cool, but what happens if you if you buy software? You don't actually deploy, you know, build your own software, you buy it. So therefore you don't have a DevOps team who 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 deploys the software that you've just purchased that so happens to ship as a helm chart or something else. Who who does that? So there's no team. So that would be a more legacy IT operations or IT admin team now being told, hey, rather than installing this XE on a Windows server, you need to run this Helm chart on a Kubernetes cluster. And how how do they do that? Mm. So it's the, the, the two different uh, dimensions there. That's so true. And when you think about it, I read an article this week that was saying that the majority of companies don't actually build their own mm -hmm. software. They buy what you call off Absolutely. the shelf. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely, and and it, it's 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 really more 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 common the closer you get to system record. Like, uh, you know, no one builds ERP systems. Um, if you're in manufacturing and and you run a production line, your MES system, the system that runs your factory floor, no no one builds that. You you buy you buy those things because they are so jugular to your organization's performance. You can't take a risk of of building your own. You know, there are some companies who who are disruptive and trying to trying to build their own their own little niche, but for the vast majority, you'd simply buy an off-the-shelf software stack that that does the job because the the risk of building something is and the time the timeline and the cost is 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 unpredictable. Yeah, absolutely. And also as well, if you're buying off-the-shelf software, right, you don't really know what it was built with. I mean, you know because it it's on paper, but in terms of the mm -hmm. functionality, how it runs, how best to run it. You kind of need the person who's built it to run it as well, right? <laughs> Absolutely, and well, and not not just run it, but they, they at least need to, need to provide you really detailed instructions on on how to deploy it and and maintain it. And yeah, most of the ISVs who ship as containers aren't managed service providers, so they're not they're not managing your software. They simply say, "Here is our software. This is how you install it and configure it." Off you go, and they they expect you to be able to know how to do this and. Yeah, we we've got customers who are in the banking sector. They they bought a new core banking application. That application only ships in containers, and this organization had never even heard of that before. 
And so they they went they went looking for a solution to say, well, how how can we empower our existing IT team with the capability to deploy and manage these container-based software stacks without actually knowing how to build and manage container-based software stacks themselves. So I know you said at the top of this when you was introducing yourself in the business about how you've been scaling now for like you're in your sixth year building and scaling, but for the first two, it started out as a side hustle. So these things usually come from someone creating something that they wish existed already. They're working in a job and they're thinking, oh, if only I had this solution, is that how Portainer was created or thought about? Absolutely. I, I was running a public cloud provider. I wanted to deliver uh, containers as a service. Uh, when I when I launched it to market just with an API endpoint, uh, the market didn't really know what I was doing at the time. You know, that was six years ago. So that you know, a, a lot has changed in that time. Uh, the whole dev pushing to cloud systems was kind of dominated by cPanel, Plesk, you know, all, all those kind of hosting panels on VPS servers. And so when I, when I pushed the market, the devs are like, well, what is this thing? We, we, where's cPanel for, 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 the, for this, this thing called Docker? We, how, how, do I, how do I upload my, my PHP files, my, my Java files? And there wasn't really anything like that. And then I also looked at it, you know, I, I was also a VMware guy, so I looked at it from a VMware infrastructure perspective. I'm used to using vCloud Director or vCenter to spin up virtual machines. How do I do the same thing with containers? And I'm like, well, Surely I'm not the only the only only person like this. There's a lot of people who have spent have spent their career living inside vCenter, vCloud, and cPanel, who need to still make a career for the next twenty years, uh, and and will struggle to make the transition to true cloud native tech. You know, we, we're not we're not digital or not not cloud native natives. Mm. How do, how how do you ease that burden of transition? And so I, I tried to find a product that I could just drop in, you know, buy and drop in to do it. Couldn't, so so started building building Portainer. And in terms of you know being one of the co-founders and creating a business model like what you just said in this highly competitive world, when if you take the talent for war out of the equation for a sec, but just creating a business in this cloud native containerization world, what's some of the challenges that you faced that you didn't even think about at the start? Uh, I had absolutely no way to foresee the size of the CNCF ecosystem. I think we're up to 12, 1,200 companies in the ecosystem now. Uh, I have never before seen such a single-use product creation out there. Uh, there are hundreds and hundreds of products for Kubernetes specifically that just do one thing one th one thing really well you know cost management or yeah. observability or alerting or something and as a so as a customer or a user of kubernetes you can, you can't just deploy kubernetes you just can't it's you know it's almost too tensive useless by itself you have to have something from this array of 1200 other other you know companies around it to give you a full platform so how 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 do you how do you do so the orchestrator is one thing observability is another CI/CD is another GitOps potentially uh, security registry there's a whole bunch of things needed to turn Kubernetes into a fully functioning platform and there's there's a lot of uh, weeds amongst the flowers yeah you know, some of some some of the some of the products in that 1200 are amazing and will be here for the next two, three, four, five years. Some of them are, are, are you know, fly by night. They'll, they'll be, be here and gone in no time. Hmm. And 
yeah, for organizations trying to trying to adopt this tech, it's like, well, how do I know which one, which ones to choose? And so, it's a really messy ecosystem. I had no idea it was going to get so large and so and so messy. Um, when I'm trying to provide a single tool that you just drop in to manage all of Kubernetes, so you just you just drop in Portainer and off you go. You don't need any other tools. We we in theory now have 1,200 competitors. <laughs> each one of those products does does one thing that we do and so you add them all together and it's like oh my god there's a huge number of organizations who in theory do do one thing that we do better than we do that you now have to compete against yeah that's really interesting actually so you're kind of like a complete end-to-end kubernetes management system i guess but those guys are like okay we'll just do cost optimization we'll just do observability we'll just do day two security and then you're like well we do all of that <laughs> Yeah, correct. Because, yeah, and and it's it's really interesting from a marketing perspective. Uh, we 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 like to say internally that we're we're seventy percent good enough. Um, because sure, there there are some organisations that want hundred percent of these best of breed products. Yeah. But most organisations use 60 percent of what these products offer, and so, so yeah, I, I would never. I'd never out on the website come and say, "Hey, Portana, seventy percent good enough," because that's that's just that's just dumb. But but our 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 whole goal is is to try try and give give what ninety nine percent of people need in the product, and and not not all of this extra that most people don't need. If you if, if you need those extras, then you can obviously plug in these very uh, specific use tools alongside Portana. We aren't mutually exclusive, so you can they can plug them alongside us, but. For most organizations, we are a one tool is all you need type solution. Okay, no, fair enough. So in terms of the business itself, and I guess this might go back to when you first founded the company right up until today. So this might be like a, a six year question, but how how big has the task been that you've had on your hands kind of rebranding people's perception of Portainer? Because I know that's something you and I spoke about offline. Yeah, I mean, any, any company that's six years old has has legacy, uh, and you know we we started out as a Docker tool. We then morphed with the market and became a Docker and Docker Swarm tool, uh, and then we morphed again to be Docker, Docker Swarm, Kubernetes, and Nomad tool. Right, so now now we're kind of we don't really care what the back end orchestrator is. Any orchestrator, any cloud on your laptop, in your data center, in the cloud, any cloud. At the edge, we don't we don't care as long as it runs containers, we can manage it. Hmm. But if I if I speak to anybody and say, "Hey, uh, tell tell me about your experiences with Portainer," most people immediately say, "Oh, Portainer, you, you're that cool Docker tool." It's like, well, no, we were we we were, but you know, we, we've spent probably ten million dollars in about two years, uh, basically changing our entire product from being just that Docker tool to a a multi orchestrator container management tool. Does it infuriate and, you when people still think of you as the Docker tool? <laughs> let, let's not let's not open that can of worms. Yes, it does. <laughs> it does because it's been a substantial amount of work. Yeah, you know, we we've had to go and and fight that fight and hire you know go go into that gauntlet and hire experts on staff to tell us how best to to operate a platform. That this this is how from an engineering level you operate a platform. This is from a user level how you consume a platform. This is how the UI UX should behave. So we've got these experts advising our product team and engineering team internally. So you know we, we it, it's a lot of effort to to basically rebrand as this. And yet in the Kubernetes ecosystem, 
we're, we're still relatively unknown. So, yeah, we, we're working very, very hard to, to, to rebrand in, in, into that ecosystem. Well, when you talk about the ecosystem, Neil, right, and you talk about, if you just talk about the CNCF ecosystem, not the wider ecosystem where there's a ton more companies, but just in that, when you think about what you just said, where there's like 1,200 competitors slash customers in there now, how do you stand out, right? And then you've got all these other companies around the CNCF that are not even members yet. So those are also included in the mix as well. So it's such a noisy ecosystem and world at the moment. Well, I, I don't, I don't know um, whether you have an engineering background, but uh, I, I do. And us engineers are like magpies. We 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 look for for, for shiny things and, and we go after them. Yeah. And yeah, you know, quite quite often, the, the the tech you're adopting isn't because necessarily it's the best tech, but it's because it it's the new the newest and coolest, and you want to go have a little play with it. Um, which is great from an engineering perspective, not so not so much from from your employer's perspective. Yeah, you know, so, sometimes sometimes there's actually uh, a far a far easier way to to achieve an outcome than than adopting the the pain that goes with all of this leading edge next generation tech. Yeah, there's always something coming out every single day. There's a new tool. There's a new shiny thing. Yeah. <laughs> so it makes it so fun so how has that whole sort of rebranding part gone i know you said how much money you've spent how much time you've spent do you feel like you're changing people's perceptions now or you still got a big fight on your hands i still definitely got a big fight on my hands we we just just hired a, a new technical marketing manager uh, who is uh, very well known in the kubernetes space and so he's really helping us uh with our our, our our technical marketing collateral around how 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 to show Portainer's power and flexibility in Kubernetes. You know, there's so much you can do in Portainer. Um, if if you just if you just take someone who knows Docker, so in any any user who has spent some time with Docker on their machine on their laptop is enough. You could put them in front of Portainer, connect them to a Kubernetes cluster, and they could deploy applications. They don't they wouldn't need to learn any kubectl commands. They wouldn't need to learn any YAML. They could happily deploy applications on Kubernetes without actually having ever touched it before. That that's that's the enabling power of Portana. Uh, equally, if you if you if you know what you're doing, you can still use Portana and have use our embedded um, CTL. You can you can use our YAML or Helm charts or our GitOps engine. So, yeah, Portana is a tool that takes you from the very very beginner entry level skill right the way through to advance so it kind of grows with you it's a tool for everyone that's what we try to be um and the, the main the main thing is is I, I talk to organizations and say okay cool so on staff right now you've got five experts so as you grow and you need to hire 10 more does that mean you're now forced to hire 10 more experts or or you know can you can you put in a tool like portana that your five experts can use in an expert way but when you hire your next 10 they can come in and, and use Portainer at whatever level they you know, feel feels right for them, and then they will slowly mature uh, into our more advanced functions. But they can start out at a really basic level and still be productive. Mm. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. Has the new UI been released? Uh, no, that is due out uh, the first week of next month, um, and that is a complete and utter overhaul. Uh, it looks amazing, and I can't wait. Uh, every day, I ask my engineering team, "Is it ready yet? Is it ready yet? Is it ready yet?" <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. I have to connect with your uh, new technical marketing guy and have a look at that. I'm sure he's going to be all over it on the first of September. Absolutely. So you're excited about that? 
I absolutely am. I absolutely am. It, <laughs> I can hear it, it in your it voice. Is, <laughs> it's actually, to be fair, it's six years overdue. Um, when we, we when when we built the UI, it was it was functional. It was it was built built really for engineers. So it was functional. It wasn't beautiful. Um, whereas now we've taken the opportunity to make it beautiful at the same time. Brilliant user interface. I think is one of the big underestimated things when you're looking at all these different tools because nobody really wants to just look at a black screen with white text all over it all day every day unless you're a real solid coder do you know what i mean so they want something that they can interface with that they enjoy using yeah and interesting enough that this has been my entire uh dev team so all of the devs working on this ui non-stop now for i think it's almost three months so it is a massive overhaul every single page has been completely redone We've also taken the opportunity to move a lot of it from our more legacy Angular front-end language into React, so it's also getting modernized at the same time. Oh, brilliant. I'll um, I'll make sure to tag the company as well on the 1st of September when the big announcement comes out. Yeah, very that. good. I'll click that. I'll set that notification bell to, to strike on the 1st of September. Perfect. So, Neil, can you tell us the thought process behind entering Industry 4.0? Uh, sure. It's actually pretty straightforward. Portana was a tool that was built for the non the non IT expert, right? So right from day one, we wanted anybody who knew a little bit about IT had some basic experience with Docker to be able to engage with Portana. Well, by by natural definition, those people who operate in an OT network, that basically the guy the guys who run factory floors, shop floors, that kind of stuff. Those guys are real old school engineers. They don't necessarily have much of an IT background. So trying to get them to understand what containers are and how microservices works when they don't really have much of a background in IT is a huge learning curve. And so Portana has organically already been quite successful in the OT space because OT engineers are seeing us as a way to bridge their knowledge gap between near zero IT experience and the experience they need to actually run really IT heavy uh, applications like containers. And so we, we're already got a lot of adoption in that that uh, industry for IIoT uh, kind of space just because of that, you know, organic, natural, natural fit. So how would you define industry 4.0 in a nutshell? What's, what's the one liner? Uh, IT principles applied to operational technology. So basically that means uh, AI and uh, a, a lot of, of predictive failure analysis. You, your, all of your machinery is monitored in real time. There's sensors predicting failure. There's third eye, so uh, computer vision that helps people better support the, the plant and manufacturing, cost optimization, energy optimization. It's leveraging software to make manufacturing more efficient. Okay, well, that's interesting. So I guess another question I'd want to know would be about the kind of competitors in the space as well, which we've kind of touched on already. But the last thing you'd want to do is kind of miss sell a customer or miss misadvise a customer right, or a potential customer. So at what point do you know when Portana is the right solution versus OpenShift or Rancher? Well, so so that that's data center. That's not that's not industry four, right? So mm. the the there's two different answers to that. So in industry four, 
you're talking about the the Siemens, the Schneiders, the Bosch's. The that's that world is in is in they they play in in, the, in that space. Um, the the ranchers, the open shifts, the other they they they're in the IT space. They're more in the data center. So the, there's two different competitors. And in the in the industry four space, Kubernetes is still nowhere to be seen because it's still too resource heavy for running on really micro PLC devices. When when you have a device that has a 600 megahertz CPU and 512 uh, megabytes of RAM, your ability to run even the most lightweight Kubernetes distro is very limited. And so it's still, so the that, that industry four world is still very Docker centric. Now, none of these players, OpenShift, Red Hat, anyone else, have any, have any now have any solution in the Docker space, whereas, whereas we do. So in, in the industry four space, there's actually not, there's nowhere near as much competition. There's nowhere near as many solutions out there. There's sure there's Amazon Greengrass, Azure IoT Hub, but therefore internet connected sites, not isolated or, or air gapped um, you know, production lines. Mm, okay, so I guess it's kind of is that an industry that you're you've entered now? When we go back to talk about industry four, is that an in industry you've entered with obviously less competition, thinking that you could potentially corner much more of the market? Yeah, and so we we, we definitely entered that. You know, we we, we hired ourselves a, a CTPO, so technology and product officer, based out of Germany, who has a lot of background uh, uh, taking organisations. Well, the one, the first of all, the organisation he worked for, but uh, from a more traditional SCADA sense into a fully uh, IIoT centric uh, industry four you know, run shop floor. So he, he he knows the process to do that and saw the software stack, saw the hardware stack required to make that work. And and so he he's helping us navigate this path because there's actually a very different ecosystem. It's a different language. It, it, it's a different audience. They, they've got different challenges, different, you know, di different, different, different types of people, you know, really, really security centric, isolated networks that have no, no, no connectivity in or out easily. Um, that there's a lot more challenges in that space. So we're we're in that space because we have been organically successful in there, and so now we're actually really giving that some 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 prime time focus. Neil, are you effectively running two separate businesses or two businesses in parallel under the Portana header? <laughs> is it is it uh, that obvious? Uh, pretty <laughs> much, yes. But thankfully, there's actually a lot of product overlap. Uh, but mm. from a marketing perspective, in fact, we're about to be launching a, a new version of our website. And when you, when you hit the portana.io, it basically says, do you want to go left or right? Yeah. Data center, edge. And because they fundamentally are two very, very different markets for two very, very different products, different mm. sets of competitors, different sets of solutions. So yes, kind of. But thankfully, our product has a very high degree of overlap. So there's not there's not double the engineering work. I was just going to say, so you don't need to go and hire another 10 engineers no. to work on the edge side versus the four side no there, there is a little bit uh, of uh, specialization required at that stage but it's 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 10 percent, not not 50 percent um change yeah no okay fair enough and you know when you have a, a business like portana and then you go through that startup and that scale up phase and the build phase i know that things change and obviously you could never have predicted what covid did to the world you know the economy the markets but after sort of day one when you created Portain up until this very conversation are you where you expected to be as a co-founder and as a business uh i would say it's been far harder 
uh, converting people from open source free products to paid than I than I would have liked. Um, you know, building an open source product still takes money. Someone has to fund the build of an open source product, and a, a lot of open source users forget that. They they forget that someone has to pay for this and. And you know, so really, if you if you are reliant on that open source product, maybe just maybe you might want to to see whether they have some kind of commercial offering to help support the development of that. So that that's been a little bit harder than I expected. Um, but otherwise, I am exactly where I am, uh, where where I wanted to be. I sat down, I think it's about a month ago, and for the first time in a very long time, yeah, stepped back and looked looked at the product and said, actually, where are we? I'm I'm just just going to do a a, a a day zero analysis. Where are we? And I, I had ticked everything that I wanted to achieve in regards to to the the, the the scope and depth of the product. I ticked it off and said, "Yep, done that, done that, done that, done that." And I was like, "Oh wow, it it it's it's done." In speech marks now, there's no such thing as done. Yeah. Our product is always evolving. But I was like, "Wow, that was that was my kind of my my three year vision, you know, three years ago was to get here, and actually we we got here, and we've actually got got further than I wanted in some areas as well. So yeah, I was pretty happy with that. That's brilliant." So you ran like a kind of, like you said, a day zero operations, like a sanity check on the business, ticked a lot of the boxes. So you're sitting here today as a happy co-founder of the business. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it was actually um, off the back of a blog that that some people asked me to write, which was Boltana versus OpenShift versus Rancher. And, you know, for the first time, I actually had to sit down with a clear head and say, well, actually, how, how how do we compare? You know, feature for feature, line by line, blow by blow. How How do we compare? And... Yeah, we were very similar across all three products, and it was like, man, that's that's pretty impressive. You know, th those guys have got massive engineering budgets. It's it's pretty pretty impressive what 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 we built here. Yeah, absolutely. When you're in the same bracket and the same conversation as companies like that, you must be doing something right, mate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So just to go back to something that you mentioned um, towards the beginning of this, Neil, uh, you said about you know we're in a talent war. There's no getting away from that. It's a fact, whether you're in New Zealand, America, England, doesn't matter. So in this market, how are you, how is the business uh, attracting and actually retaining the, some of the best engineers? We are fortunate that we have such a, a, a pretty decent spread of users all around the world. You know, we've got 680,000 regular monthly users of, of Portainer now. Um, and so every single day we get inbound uh, questions, bug reports, feature requests from people all over the globe, and so every day the engineering team are are challenged with, hey, how do how do I answer that problem? And and yeah, you know, that that that's a great idea from from some customer and in some far flung reach of the world. How how will we how will we think about considering that? Um, we're just we're just really really fast paced, and I think engineers quite like a fast paced life. Uh, and so we've we've kind of kept being able to attract talent and retain talent just because of the fast paced uh, and 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 the market we're in. We're always playing around with with new tech. Um, we're also really really focused on having a, a super inclusive, no real hierarchy um, organizational structure. Um, you know, anyone on the team at any time can can book a meeting in my diary, and I'll I'll sit with them and talk to them about any kind of problems they've got or concerns they have. So it's just a real you know, level-headed organization to work within as well. That is, that is a huge difference. Being able to have access to someone like yourself who sits at the top of the tree, I think is often underlooked as quite important because you're the guy that, you know, had this brainchild, 
had the thought process behind it, knows the way that the company wants to be run. So having access to you, being able to have a chat with you through a problem, I think is uh, quite a big deal, actually, rather than some CEO or CTO that they never see, considering you're in another country to some of your engineers as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I also kind of wear the hat of CPO as well, so Chief Product Officer. So as I am out talking to, to customers and prospects, I am, I'm learning a lot. So it, as I'm learning, I come back and, and spend time with engineering, explaining what I've learned. You know, here, here are some here are some behaviors that this customer would like help addressing with with the product here are some things that they find a little bit annoying in the product how how, how can we tweak the ui ux to make it easier for them so i i'm very intimate with the product and very intimate with our, our customer base and so that that so that, therefore i'm not kind of sitting back as a, some high level executive i'm very hands-on you know a, across all areas of the business and that that i think also helps a lot still get hands-on in the sort of engineering side right now uh, i have never been a developer i couldn't write code to save myself <laughs> um so i am a infrastructure guy so if you put me in front of a vmware server i can help you out but put me in front of a vs code and i'll just start typing hello world <laughs> uh, so so uh, other than i so said no um but I, I i am often answering support questions in our slack channel i am almost always behind our twitter feed uh, engaging so from that in that regard i i'm still heavily involved but uh from a writing writing the product thankfully you 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 don't want me in there <laughs> fair enough <laughs> i love the honesty <laughs> <laughs> so do you guys get together on like um company retreats do you meet up in a central location to bring everyone together to have that kind of cohesive unit uh we haven't because COVID hasn't allowed that uh however as as things are starting to release we're already starting to now talk about what do we actually do for a end of year function this year can we get everyone together is it is it feasible there's still a lot of people are really really worried about uh you know large large events and a lot of people still keeping their distance so i think i think it might be a little premature to try and enforce a all company get together but uh the the, the sooner we can do it the better i believe yeah, absolutely. I think um, KubeCon is a good example of, you know, these kind of events coming back together, but there's still a hell of a lot of people, like you just said, that are still really kind of uh, worried about traveling too far. Yeah, I, I actually did my first keynote in three years uh, last week. Um, and the as part of that, the MC asked the question, how many of you, is this your first event since COVID? And about three quarters of the audience put up their hand. Um, and I'm like, wow, that's quite telling. So wow. uh, and even, even for me, yeah, that was my first time on stage in, in probably three years. I was pretty nervous. So I'm like, oh, man, you know, uh, um, break off the rust, yeah. you know, uh, 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 dust off things. Let's go. Shake it off. So, yeah, <laughs> shake it off. So it was, it, it, it was pretty funny. Brilliant. Was that in Wellington? It was, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Is there is there a big uh, community for this sort of thing over there? I don't really know too much about that part of the world. Uh, it's growing. Um, it was actually a sold out event, so it was it was pretty good. Um, it was Cloud Native Summit, uh, New Zealand, so it was it was pretty good. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, I love that. And final one for me. It's always a good place to leave this one, Neil. But what's next for Potena? Where can you expect to be in the next twelve months? So we are looking to help address a couple of things. So we are trying to further improve our GitOps uh, solution. So uh, GitOps is great if you know how to code. It's not so great if you don't know how to code. Um, and so one of the things that we've, we're working on is 
Portain has started out as a ClickOps UI, uh, which is now uh, often known as no code. Um, they, they kind of mean the same thing. Uh, so one of the things that we've been playing with is how can, how can we actually repurpose our, our ClickOps UI to actually write code for you, show you the code, and then and then use that as a mechanism to enable uh, GitOps. So you use the form to create the code rather than deploying from the form, create the code, push it to Git, have, have someone review the code, and then, and then Portainer will deploy through GitOps. So trying to really help help people's progression from clicky to fully automated um, GitOps. Um, and the other thing that we're trying to work on a lot more is observability. Uh, for some reason, people seem to think it's okay to have a dashboard of Grafana metrics with you know, 4,000 graphs and all these metrics coming at you, which only makes sense if you are an absolute expert. If you're not an expert, what do all those metrics mean? So we're, we're trying to, in Portainer, give you more actionable insights. So rather than just showing you a wall of metrics, we can actually tell you, hey, something something's going wrong. This is what's going wrong, and this is what you should do to fix it. So trying to ingest a lot of those metrics and turn them into something that that a, a more a more human operator can actually determine what to do next. So there, there are two big pushes in the data center space and in the industry four space, just doing a lot more with the PLC providers and giving giving a more more well-rounded experience in isolated OT networks. Across both businesses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you're a busy man. You're not just running one anymore. <laughs> Making a yeah. run for your own back. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Neil, this has been really fun. I appreciate you jumping on, like I said, at the end of the week. And it's always good to chat to someone like yourself about, you know, how, where you see the company going, what kind of industries you're entering. Uh, just to chat about Kubernetes and Cloud Native, because I think this market's only getting noisier, busier. Like you said, 1,200 members now in the CNCF ecosystem. So it's always good to have time with someone like yourself who's um, in the market properly. So I appreciate you. No, really appreciate the opportunity to, to chat. No problem at all. If people want to reach out to you, engineers, customers, or someone just to ask a question, where's the best place to do that? Uh, I always respond to every email, neil at portainer.io. One, one of the benefits of being a co-founder, I can just have my first name. So there we go. <laughs> Perfect, straightforward. And you're quite active on Twitter by the sounds of it. I am behind the Portainer Twitter handle. So uh, almost always, uh, if, if you're getting a response, it's probably me in there responding. I can't help myself as, as much as marketing hate it. I'm in there on Twitter <laughs> hours a day engaging with, 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 with our, our, our user base. Perfect. Well, Neil, from me, just want to say a massive thanks and I'll catch up with you offline. All good. Thank you. Cheers.